Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Unmute. Now muted. See, technical difficulties. Technical difficulties this morning. Muted. How about now, Greg? Are we good? Are we good now? Okay. I think so. Like I said, it's Monday morning, man. It's Monday morning. I had my first home league draft last night amidst the chaos of the last week of the NFL preseason, amidst the J.K. Dobbins injury, amidst... Um. Okay, good, 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 good. Amidst all the chaos of week three, and I didn't think, <laughs> I couldn't be, I mean, I've been wrong a lot this offseason, but I, I couldn't have been more wrong about, morning, morning, morning. I couldn't have been more wrong about what was going to happen in week three. So I thought, God forbid, this seemed like a logical take to me. I thought going into week three of the preseason, almost every team would kind of shut it down with their key guys, right? We 
probably know pretty much what we have with all of our starters, with our veterans, all this. And then week three was the craziest, was the craziest news week that we've had. <clears throat> and some teams obviously did, um, you know, shut it down with their guys. But most teams that actually played some starters before played them again, right? <laughs> Joe Burrow played all three snaps, but Joe Burrow actually got out there. You know, the Niners played Lance and Jimmy G, you know, played Lance deep into the game, played Jimmy G a lot, played a little bit of Mostert, uh, lots of Debo. Um, yeah, this is, a, this is, this is, this is very true. You know, with the new CBA, there's, you don't get a lot of, you don't get anywhere near the practice time and the padded practice time that you used to get. And so teams, you know, even the chiefs, right. Are playing Mahomes and Tyreek and Kelsey because you, you like, that's the other thing is we say, put these guys on, on ice and, you know, put these guys in bubble wrap at the end of a preseason, but like you need practice, <laughs> believe it or not to be good at football, you need to play football and you need to play in live games. Cause there is nothing like a live game, even these joint practices, whatever. So anyway, I definitely misjudged a little bit of exactly how much would change going in, going into week three of the preseason. And we got a lot, right? Not even just usage stuff. Let's talk about the injury stuff first before we get into, again, I'm going to use Hayden Winks. Just He writes an just an awesome article um, relating everything that happened from that weekend in preseason to, you know, fan, to fantasy football. It's a great guide that I like to use to go to go through here, but let's talk about some of the injuries first. Obviously, yeah, we have the ETN thing, so we don't we don't need to double back. But it's also a really good point Greg makes. Like first round, first round running back goes down. Who cares? Let's let's roll everybody. Visca's out there, Lawrence is out there, Robinson's out there. It's pretty crazy. Um, Urban is definitely a bit of an old school kind of coach. That that is for sure. Yeah, this is so true. You guys are making good comments. We'll get to some of these injuries. I wanted to see Pitts so bad in the preseason, just like selfishly wanted to see him because I'm I'm really you know I'm I'm super in on Pitts. I'm very excited for Kyle Pitts as the football player and as a football fan. I'm excited for Kyle Pitts, but like <laughs> you wanted to see it, but you also like please don't let this kid get hurt in the preseason. And now we got one play. He looks like a freaking, he looks like the superstar that we thought he was going to look like. And now, you know, I feel like fifth round Kyle Pitts days are done from one, from one play. And like everybody already knew he was that good, but the Pitts, the Pitts uh, reaction will be probably be pretty, be pretty funny. Cause like, I think uh, even like most of the people, most of you guys that are in here have been at least relatively on Kyle Pitts. We all think fairly similarly. And I have been trying to scoop up a lot of Kyle Pitts and I fear, I fear my days of, uh, Fifth round cow pits are long gone, but I think fourth round is totally fine. Still, I'm not I'm not backing off cow pits yet. So anyway, let's talk about these in the the biggest thing was definitely injuries this weekend. Three three guys, right? Um, you you guys can correct me if I'm missing anybody super duper relevant, but obviously the first one being J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins is the biggest and most impactful injury again, playing in week three of the preseason. Um, just un unfortunate, right? You wish, you wish that they would have put him, put him on ice. Um, but that's football, right? So the thing with the Ravens is that 
I, I, I could be certain I could absolutely be wrong because it is interesting. A couple of years ago, Mark Ingram, you know, before Mark Ingram became dust and before Mark Ingram basically, you know, lost his job to J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, Mark Ingram was a pretty much a workhorse. He 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 reached a point in two years ago where he was playing almost every snap. He was and he was actually catching passes. People forget this during the Lamar MVP season. Ingram was actually catching some passes, and he was a pretty pretty darn good fantasy running back. However, since then, they have shown zero willingness to lean on one back. It has been uh, no matter who is there. So last year, I think Jack Miller tweeted uh, tweeted the, the snap counts out from last year. Even when J.K. Dobbins was out, Lamar was also out. They had a, they had a you know, that COVID stretch. They had a stretch where they lost. I mean, they were decimated by in by uh, uh, COVID protocols last year. And Gus played 52% of the snaps, I believe, if I'm remembering. And Justice Hill played 48. And Justice Hill played on passing downs. Now, we're getting the reports that Tyson Williams from South, South Carolina, uh, he, he, he seems fine. Um, I'm, I'm not like crazy hyped on Tyson Williams. However, I don't think anyone was crazy hyped on Gus Edwards either. So the reports are Tyson Williams is the number two ahead of Justice Hill. But I think this is a really, really murky situation. A, it's certainly a boost to Gus Edwards, right? No one is going to deny that it's a boost to, to, to Gus Edwards. The problem is similar to the to a James Robinson, and one might argue similar to, to Daryl Henderson, is that, um, which I don't agree with, and I, you guys know I've been on record with the Hender, Henderson thing, but you know we even saw with Henderson, when Sony comes in, that's a big hit to his value. So anyway, I think what happens is we get really excited about next man up, and we see this, we... We, we just get excited about the, the the new shiny toy of running back got hurt. Who's his, who's the other guy in this backfield. <clears throat> and as we've seen with the, with this specific team, it just doesn't typically happen like that. Right. They just don't typically like hand over the full reins to the next guy up. Some teams do right. The Panthers did the Vikings kind of do Alexander Madison can be at times a one for one replacement. The Cowboys do with Tony Pollard, right? There are a handful of teams. The Saints actually, RIP Latavius, the Saints actually did it with Latavius in the past when Kamara was out. But there are lots of teams like the Ravens who don't. And it's actually just, okay, Gus gets a little bit of a boost, but then it's next man up and we're still using these other guys. Because it's an offensive scheme thing. It's not, we're not going to ride Gus, you know, for 90% of the touches. So anyway, what happens typically in these fantasy football markets is we just get excited for that next guy up and Gus shoots way up right away. Like there were people posting screenshots and stuff of Gus going in the third or fourth round of drafts immediately after the Dobbins injury. And I, I mean, I just think that that's crazy. That's absurd to me. Um, I don't think you can take him that high. Um, but like, I also wasn't drafting JK Dobbins. And so people might, you know, might be able to make the uh, argument, which is a similar argument that was in place for Daryl Henderson is if we were taking Cam Akers this high, you know, and we were taking JK Dobbins this high, why are we not taking Gus Edwards? And I think it's a little bit of a different situation to me personally. Um, and I think it's also, you know, debatable whether or not that, 
even existed for, for Daryl Henderson, even if you were more pro Henderson like I was. So anyway, I think Gus, to me, falls a lot more into kind of the uh, the the back end of the dead zone and you know the the start of where I actually am interested in taking some of these some of these guys, especially depending upon my build. So you know the after the the Carsons and the Montgomerys and the Jacobs, you get the Sermons and the Mosterts and the Hunts and the Gaskins and Henderson. Now um, I'm probably missing a guy or two, but you get the point. I think he and Henderson probably go to the front of that tier beyond behind the like certain role running backs, you know, the projectable volume guys that I don't particularly love. Um, But in that tier, I think is probably where those, where I would take those guys. I don't know what you guys think. That's my personal preference. I do. I know I have seen the Tyson Williams versus justice Hill reports. I'm, I took I, I took Tyson Williams in a draft earlier today. I do think I lean to him a little bit just because of this news. But uh I also don't think I also don't think it's out of the cards that Justice Hill's the passing down back, which I don't know how much value that necessarily has, but it does at least get him on the field. And all you need to do is get on the field um to potentially have some a little bit of standalone value and potentially have a little bit of contingent value. And so I'm not writing Justice Hill off either. I think I think if I had to, you know, rank them, I would put Tyson Williams over Justice Hill. But I think it's very, very close. Um, and I don't think that situation is certain at all, despite the reports that we got. So anyway, that's the big, that's the big, uh, you know, situation, right? That that has has happened, and that's kind of kind of my take. I, I think you can take both of the Ravens backs at the ends of drafts, and I think that in something like BBM or the DraftKings Millie, something that's been open for a long time, they're they're even more advantageous to take those guys there because their ownership is going to be so 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 low. You know, they they're they're good picks in my opinion in just about any tournament, but I think that these kinds of guys, even like the Carlos Hydes, Sony Michels, they get added benefits in tournaments that have been open for months and months and are close to you know closer to full like like best ball mania too because you just know so few teams have them i think those guys have added advantages in in those tournaments versus something where like almost you know where or just about everybody has access to those guys yeah yeah so this is another good good point to talk about with so we've now had a lot of running back injuries already season hasn't even started we know more are coming cam Akers went down early travis Etienne down jk dobbins down who knows what happens to the to the old latavius murray right um who knows you know what's going on with um oh my god i'm blanking but anyway you you have these three major major injuries top five round backs exciting young backs we're all we're all excited about and then even on top of that you have sony michelle coming in and kind of oh we're excited for henderson and oh now maybe we're not so excited for henderson there has been so much happening at the running back position that has shaken things up and taken guys off the you know taken like really really key picks off the board and so swift there you go that's what i was thinking of 
you know, I don't, I have no freaking idea what's happening with Swift. I think he's fine. He seems, it seems okay, but like, <laughs> I don't know. And I guess technically CEH is hurt too. And that doesn't seem to be uh, significant, but we also haven't gotten a, a real update. So there's just a lot going on at running back, right? A lot. And really the only wide receiver thing is Michael Thomas. And we'll get to the the other guy in a second. But I think it's a big shakeup of the, the draft, you know, market when we know how, you know, we know how running back is, right? People love love their early running backs. And the reality is that running back is, is the most important position in fantasy football. It's just that there's different ways to approach that importance, right? Some people want to load up even on backs that they know maybe don't necessarily have the, the, the major upside, right? And that's not personally my preference with the David Montgomery's and the Josh Jacobs of the world, but I get it, you know, because you want to bank, you just want to bank those, those points and not deal with drafting quantity of running backs, blah, blah, blah. But I think it's going to create some interesting dynamics here over the last week and a half that we can draft because, you know, you have just less options and you, and, and it's, it's not even technically they have the less quantity of options. It creates different options in different tiers and you have different dynamics with Gus. People have 12th round, you know, 11th. It's the, it's the Henderson conversation all over again with James Robinson and with Gus Edwards. And we're sharper as a, as a overall, overall market. We're absolutely sharper in terms of our analysis. Like I'm not saying I'm, I'm sharper or this analysis is even right, but we were never having the conversations about, okay, people have James Robinson in the eighth and ninth, 10th, whatever round, should you be taking him in the third round now? You know, even if that's where you value him, right? Like we had about Henderson, same thing with Gus Edwards, et cetera, et cetera. So we, like we're, a, we're just a sharper, more efficient market, even on the sites where it's not very efficient, like DraftKings. We, we're, we're just a, we're smarter as a fantasy, as a fantasy football space. And so what that does is it sharpens up the market and makes the market more efficient. And then, you know, like there's a lot of people that believe kind of like, like I do in terms of, okay, well now I don't want to draft and best all media too. Now I don't want to draft Gus and I don't want to draft Henderson and I don't want to draft James Robinson. And I, and I don't already don't like, you know, dead zone running backs. And so now you're going to start to see things move the other way, either, this point like greg makes we might see people taking those dives on you know there's just less options in those middle tiers and so people are gonna pile up on the montgomery's carson's jacobs etc which is probably good for us if you're if you're um you know not as into those guys or it's bad for us if they're the right play and we're not and you're not as into those guys but it but it also excuse me it also that next tier Raheem Mostert looks like freaking the flash out there with uh with Trey Lance balling it up. You know, we know Trey Sermon's upside. Trey Sermon's also on Sean Siegel zero RB list, and we know how people love love that. Um you have Gaskin kind of bouncing back a little bit, looking like he's a, a little bit more of a viable option with his second preseason game. Right. Kareem Hunt is just kind of Kareem Hunt. There's just a, a fallback option there. So those guys get boosts. So anyway, it just creates a, a kind of I'm really interested to see to see what happens. I think this 
this actually, to me, lends more, even more credence to zero RB, hero RB structures. Because we have less options at the top for a robust RB build, you know, the, the quality option, right? Cam Akers was a totally quality option. J.K. Dobbins you know, wasn't my favorite option, but if you wanted to include J.K. Dobbins in like a robust RB, absolutely. Travis Etienne, you know, I was very high on Travis Etienne. Now those guys are gone and it, it just creates less options for, for a robust RB type of structure, which just lends more credence to zero RB, hero RB. You know, my preference, I've written about it, talked about it a ton of different times, like an anchor or hero RB structure, I think is like the optimal way to, to attack these tournaments. And now you can get, you know, there's even there's still all the second round and first round options are basically the same. Some of them are still really good values, right? Jonathan Taylor has not risen back up. Antonio Gibson is still in the same price that he was. CEH is falling. Some if you like Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon is falling, right? Saquon is falling. Every day the Giants look worse and worse, and Saquon is falling. But I don't think it changes anything about Saquon. So there's a really you know it, it opens up that pathway for those types of structures, and it gives us. I would have to drink if we were doing the bingo game. It gives us a unique structures. It gives us unique structures on those builds. So I've been turning, you know, we've been turning through so many of the same guys on these zero RB, hero RB, right? All right, give me Tony Pollard and give me, you know, it used to give me Daryl Henderson and give me Darrington Evans and give me Damian Williams, right? Give me James White and Gio Bernard, right? I just have the same combinations of like 20 different running backs, 15 different running backs around this. Now it's like, okay, well now take Tyson Williams. Now take Justice Hill. Now take, God forbid, take Carlos Hyde, take Sony Michelle. So now you're like still building through a, a really great structure, taking advantage of the market that exists today with the with what's happened to the running back position, playing within smart game theory rules within the tournaments that you're in, and getting diversification on the back end. Getting diversification on the back end. This, I believe, uh, I think might happen. Right? Wasn't that? Wasn't there a report that Collins is the number two over Penny? Penny might get. I, I know there haven't been any substantial rumors about Penny getting cut, uh, like confirmed. But I, you know, there's a little bit of smoke. It's kind of like the Latavius thing, kind of like the Brashad Perriman too, where where there's smoke, there's fire type of deal. Um, so, anyway, I really wanted to touch on. Uh, yeah, I mean, that mix these guys in. DeAndre Swift, I think, is fine, but. Jamar Jefferson is pretty clearly going to make the team as the number three running back for the Lions. I mean, yeah, Jarrett Patterson, I think, is going to be the handcuff to Antonio Gibson. He might even play a little because he looks so good. So it's like mix all these different guys in. And I, I think it's a I think it opened up. I wanted to talk about the running back thing because I think it opened up a very clear structure for how um you know, we want to build right now moving moving forward. And I could end up wrong on some of the running back dynamics, but I think that's ultimately what it opened up. This, I'm obviously not tracking the news while I'm while we're going here, but this that's unfortunate. I don't have I, I got I've gotten knock knock on wood. I don't know about you guys. I've got, you know, the Latavius thing was a killer. He was one of my higher owned owned running backs, but I've gotten really uh lucky with everything else that has happened uh so far. Very little Irv. Very little Perriman, very little Dobbins. Um, Etienne hurt too, so I guess I took my I took my punches a week ago, and I've been 
running pure ever since then. But I think the running back thing is really important to, to discuss. So then you have the Perriman thing. I don't think there's a ton to, to talk about with Perriman. Uh, I'm sure a lot of other people will beat it and beat it into the ground. I mean, this is the risk with older injury riddled players, right? I mean, it just is what it is. I don't, I think Perriman was a fine pick and a fine bet, but this is in the range of outcomes, just like it was for Latavius Murray. You know, I was willing to make that bet and I, it looks like I'm going to turn out wrong. These guys just turn to dust. Father time is undefeated. He's at, it, it, like, that's just, that's just how it goes, especially as it relates to injuries in football. And I get, we all want to be hopeful. Like I have wanted to be hopeful about Latavius latching on somewhere else, but, if the, but we also need to like use some common sense, like take our fantasy football glasses off and use some common sense. When Latavius Murray can't beat out Tony Jones Jr. Like, like Tony Jones Jr. Isn't like coming out here and like, I don't, I don't actually think it's Tony Jones Jr. Winning the job. I think it's just Latavius is losing it. And they brought Devonta Freeman in like, please someone save us <laughs> from this. And he's even more dust than Latavius is. So I think it's just like, it's not like he, he gets cut and yeah, sure. I hope, you know, he hasn't gotten cut to be, to be clear. Like that is not a certainty yet, but I think it's, heavily trending in that direction. And so it's like, you just got to be realistic. And sometimes you miss. And, and when a guy can't beat out a bad player, when the team like needs him to beat him at like the team, the team like was trying to like Latavius is the incumbent. He's the guy who has the job. He has to lose it by being bad and he's bad and couldn't beat out another bad player. So if he gets cut and goes somewhere, the players that he has to beat out now on the new team are probably better than the guy that he lost the job to. And that's the same thing with Perriman. Think about it. Brashad Perriman couldn't beat out. He did, it's not, it's not like it was a one-on-one battle like him versus one other wide receiver. He couldn't beat out just one guy, right? Amon or St. Brown was a rookie draft pick. So he probably wasn't, he was always going to make the team beat out Tyrell Williams, beat out Quintez Cephas Beat out Khalif Raymond. I don't even know who the fifth wide receiver is on the Lions. He just had to beat out one of those guys. Khalif Raymond? I mean, so if Brashad Perriman gets cut, yes, of course, if you have Brashad Perriman teams, you're you're like, yeah, please send him to the Chiefs or or something. And it's certainly possible that he could revive himself there and show and show value. But go he couldn't beat out Khalif Raymond. Why, why would he be able to beat out? You know, if he goes to the Saints, how is he going to earn targets away from Marquez Callaway and Traquan Smith and Alvin Kamara? How, you know what I mean? How is he going to? He couldn't be. And I, I, I have a little bit of Cephas. I have, I have drafted a, a little bit of Cephas, but you know, he couldn't beat out Khalif Raymond and Quintus Cephas, like just to make the team. We're not even talking about earning targets. He couldn't even make the team over those guys. And he's going to go to the Chiefs and be relevant. I mean, Demarcus Robinson hasn't been relevant. Is he better than Demarcus Robinson or Byron Pringle or McColl? Like, I think we just got to, like, it is what it is. We're, I, I like to be glass half full too, but I think we uh, just got to take our L's when they come. Just got to take our L's. So the other thing is T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton was a big one. Uh, we'll go, come back to Irvin in a second. The other thing was T.Y. Hilton was, uh, you know, it, it seems it might be kind of serious for T.Y. Hilton, they did not, you know, they don't, uh, they said it's not season ending or they don't think it's going to be season ending, but it seems fairly serious. And they did not give us a timetable yet, unless that's been updated since we 
gone live here. Um, you know, but that's another like I knock on wood again. I got a little, I got a little bit uh, lucky. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. It, it's possible, but like we weren't excited. We weren't excited for like Traquan and uh, and Callaway are better than Brashad Perriman. Traquan and Callaway and probably Little Jordan Humphrey would not get cut by the Lions. They would make the team. <laughs> you know what I mean? They would make the team. Juwan Johnson would probably not have gotten moved to tight end. He'd probably be playing wide receiver for the Lions because the wide receivers are so bad in Detroit. So it's like, I'm, maybe I'll be wrong. It's 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 quite possible I'll be wrong about Prashad Perriman, but I mean, let's just read the tea leaves a little bit. So T.Y. Hilton, um, again, you know, just older player, bad luck on an injury, obviously, but this does, you know, uh, I think solidify things for the Colts. And I've been bullish on the Colts since the very beginning of the season. I have very little T.Y. because I think he was probably the worst priced one just when you factor in the age thing, natural decline. Um, and then the youthful players that existed in in Pittman and Paris Campbell and and uh, MAC and and Kylan Granson even right Naheem Hines there was just a lot of other guys that I personally preferred to see Y Hilton but again if you wanted to bet on T Y Hilton I don't think that that was bad either bad luck but now part of the issues for the Colts people have, have talked a lot about is you know they rotate their wide receivers and I think I think uh, I don't know how to say they. Mike Strachan, 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 I don't know. But the the rookie, I believe he's a rookie. Again, he's been kind of a preseason superstar for them at wide receiver. I think he might rotate in a little bit uh, on the outside if, if he's earned kind of a role. But I do think it solidifies things, particularly for Michael Pittman and, and for Paris Campbell in the slot. I think Zach Pascal is also now a stronger late round wide receiver. I think Pascal's a fairly decent, fairly competent NFL player. And and I think it just taking a guy who played a good amount of snaps out of the rotation solidifies things for a team that likes to rotate their guys. So um, you know, I know some people are, are really out on the Colts as, as an offense, but I think that's pretty priced in for all of these guys, J- even at Jonathan Taylor in the second round. Um, Pittman is is one of my favorite wide receivers this this season. Uh, Paris Campbell is a screaming value, I think, and Pascal is a pretty good late round wide receiver, I think now because you know I, the offense has just proven to always be competent, and there's spikes. You know, you don't necessarily know where they're going to come from, but I also think we're assuming that they're going to remain like basically the same as they always have in terms of rotating guys and it being spread out, and I don't know that that's I don't know that that's a guarantee. You know, T.Y. Hilton was a fantasy stud for many years um, in, in in Indy. I know it's a little bit of a different team, but you get the point. I think I think that there's profit potential on all these guys, and I think it just solidifies them. So the other thing is definitely um, great question. See, what do you guys think? And uh, what do you guys think in chat? I'm a, I think I'm still a Chase guy, but I would I I, I would get if you prefer Claypool. I really I like Claypool too. I prefer I personally think I prefer Chase. Yeah, that's true. If you're picking like um, end of fifth or something, it's possible you get you get both. Got a Chase, 
Yeah, tight end. I also agree. Um, Wentz, Wentz likes his tight ends. Wentz, say whatever you want about Wentz. It's probably going to be a fun season. See, so <clears throat> I I think Mostert is going to be be a huge riser. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but I think uh, no 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 not yet. No 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 white no white Russian, just iced coffee. Uh, I I I agree. People have been enamored with Sermon, but I also think the Sermon thing made sense, right? He's kind of the guy in best ball, the young guy that um, grows over the course of the season. Whereas Mostert is, you know, the we know what Mostert is going to be. Like even though he's, you know, we we think that they like kind of treated him like the starter. I do think he's the starter, but I he's not ever going to be an every down player. So whether it's Sermon or whatever, who, uh, some other back, they're going to play. But I think we also got a glimpse into what Raheem Mostert's upside is with Trey Lance under center. And ooh, baby. Ooh, baby. It's pretty. What a perfect pairing of players, Trey Lance and Raheem Mostert. Yeah, I love I love Mostert too. I like. I mean, I don't write off sermon. I, I I wouldn't write off sermon either. Sermon could absolutely, sermon could absolutely be the guy. They play the Texans in the final week of the season. Who is to say they don't march up and down the field and Trey Sermon scores four touchdowns as the bigger, more bruising back? I love both of them. So that's what I, I just want to, I want to bet on the 49ers and all they did was make me feel more confident in that yesterday. I understand the Lance Jimmy G thing. I'm not worried about it. All it did was make me feel better about the 49ers. They are going to score a lot of points. They're going to score a lot of points. Um, really quick. Let's double back to the Irv thing. I guess I could have, I could have looked up some Irv, Irv news. Irv Smith. Undergoes. Oh, no. Nothing new. Mike Zimmer said they don't know. Oh, there's a chance it could end his season. They'll know later this week. Okay. Um, unacceptable. You're booted from Discord. Um, Irv, the Irv thing sucks. The Earth thing, the Earth thing sucks. I am. I, I didn't have a ton because just I, I I'm very elite tight end heavy, and then I punt tight end heavy, and so it was lucky. But I like Irv, so like if you have a lot of Irv, I totally get it. I think he's one of the few kind of mid tier tight ends that actually had real breakout potential. I think that was very possible. And it's possible this is going to end up to be a really just a really bad break. It's also possible it's minor and and he's fine. He's you know, you just need another tight end to get you there till he gets back, but obviously you know that remains to be seen. It could be season ending, we don't know. So uh what I will say, I in my in my home league auction I actually bought Justin Jefferson last night. I'm I'm in I'm in on some more Justin Jefferson. I think I was probably a little bit too low to, but I mean, we are really removing some stuff in Minnesota. 
right? Rudolph is obviously gone. Now Irv might be gone for the whole year. They don't have a competent third wide receiver. And the offense has just always scored points. You know, they're going to try to be run first, but I, people are people have kind of talks about the defense getting better. And I mean, it can't get worse than it was last year. So I guess that is true that the defense is going to get better, but I don't think the defense is going to be great. They're not going to be winning a lot of 17, 10 games, in my opinion. And so, I mean, Thielen is getting older. I, I, I just think, if anything, what has happened over the weekend for the Vikings is just assuming, again, I assume Justin Jefferson's fine. We haven't really gotten a ton of reports other than I think he seems fine. Um, I I, I kind of want to be buying Justin Jefferson, and he, he, he hasn't really moved much in terms of value over the course of the – but you know, over the course of the off season, but I think this is a really good time to get some, because he's not, even if he moves up a little bit, he's not going to move so much to where it, it prevents you from, from getting him. And so along with making sure I'm trying to get Kamara, like if I get a top three, you know, if I get pick two or three, I want Kamara. If he falls to four, I want Kamara. If he falls to five, I want Kamara in terms of how I'm trying to even out my Kamara exposure work. Since I was a little light, I'm doing the same thing with Justin Jefferson. Yeah, I don't know that Thielen is getting slept on. I like Thielen fine. He's just an older player. I, I, I it's a bump. Excuse me, it's a bump to Thielen too. I like Thielen. He's just an older player that had to score a billion touchdowns last year in order to be relevant. And Justin Jefferson was the one who like took over the offense. The offense flowed through Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson, and Adam Thielen was a was a, a prominent goal line, you know, red zone player, which is good. That's good. We we want that. And I think without Irv and without Rudolph now, that probably <laughs> it's probably a fairly safe bet that Thielen you know gets a, a good amount of looks in the end zone. But I think the bet in terms of the guy that like takes over fantasy football is Justin Jefferson. On a team that defense might not be that good and they got nobody else to throw to. And he's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL already. So definitely that that's kind of my fallout of, of the Irv thing. It also makes me feel better about Kamara at two over, over Dalvin, which maybe seems silly because like it's a, you know, Dalvin is like a, probably just an even more of a workhorse in a, in a volume volume play, but we're just making the offense worse. Whereas I think the saints have maybe shown that the offense might be a little better than the, than you know, what, what my concern was at least. So anyway, I think that's it for the injuries. I think that's it. Probably missed something. Oh, the Giant. I mean, In- Evan Ingram and Darius Slayton got hurt for the Giants yesterday. <laughs> what a mess. Play the Broncos defense week one on DraftKings. Let me share my screen. Let's go through Hayden's. Let's go through Hayden's article real quick. Thanks for hanging in on... Uh, I will share the link to this in the chat too, really quick for anyone that wants to pull it up themselves. Awesome, awesome article from Hayden every week on preseason. Jimmy G and Lance split. And so, um, Hayden, I haven't, hey, I haven't read this yet. So, uh, you know, if I stumble across anything that Hayden says, but I'm just, I think he just provides like a, a, a great list of talking points. And so, these, if you watched yesterday, I watched the 49ers. Hey, oh my gosh, what what an exciting offense. That's my key takeaway. The other thing is there's a lot of hype out there about the 49ers 
um, you know, and Shanahan saying he's open to kind of playing both both quarterbacks. And I do think that that's possible. But that's better than Jimmy G being the start. You know, if you're on Trey Lance, that's better than Jimmy G being the starter and Lance never playing. Lance could possibly put up some, dare I say, usable weeks, Trank, some usable weeks to, you know, get you by. And then he just needs to prove that he's better, which is like what you need to happen anyway. He just like he's going to get an opportunity to prove that he should be the, the full time guy. He has to take it. That's part of this bet. But I think he's already showing just how much better the offense is with him in there. And so, you know, obviously, I and, and, and let's not even like assume that Kyle Shanahan is telling the truth. He's a, he's full of shit. He lies all the time. He lied about taking Trey Lance. So, like. If anything, I'm just exci- I I would be excited about this situation if you're betting on Trey Lance or you're betting on the 49ers. And I think this is a good this I think it's possible he doesn't tell us. <laughs> I think it's unless, you know, one of them is definitely a full-time starter. But like I don't I don't foresee any way in which uh yeah, great great question. I, I don't know that we'll know. I don't know that he's going to tell us. He seems like the kind of guy that just wants to play it cool. He seems like that kind of guy. Um, and that's okay. For best ball, that's okay. For DFS or season long, not so good. Not so good. But, um, yeah, I, I'm excited about the 49ers. Cam started over Mac. Also watched that game. Mac Jones was really good. Cam Newton was really bad. The pick Cam threw, he, he threw a couple good balls. The pick he threw was actually a really good ball, just an awesome play by, uh, I think it was Blake Martinez. I don't know, but awesome play by uh, the defender. And so, you know, it's a little bit of bad luck for Cam, but I just think we've seen we've seen enough. You know, maybe Cam also, maybe maybe Cam also, maybe they do something similar. Cam gets a little bit of uh, some some rushing work like Lance does. I don't know, but I, f- I feel fairly confident taking Mac Jones at the end when you need a quarterback. He's not like a world beater, you know, fantasy prospect, but I think he, he has a little bit of upside. And he also makes for a great backdoor stack with James White, with Hunter Henry, with Johnny Smith, Jacoby Myers, Aguilar, whatever. Um, I think, I, think uh, I feel comfortable taking Mac, you know, in builds where it makes sense late now. I'm not even really going to go into the Deshaun Watson thing. I don't want to talk about him um, with everything that's with everything that's going on. But you know, I'm not buying. Like, I don't know. I haven't heard anybody like super credible come out and talk about this. Like in terms of you know the major beat reporters. I'm not saying the guys who have talked about it aren't credible, but I'm saying I'm not buying. A, a Deshaun Watson thing. It's it's it seems all very clickbaity to me. It seems like I don't think it makes sense. I don't think the trade makes sense makes any sense at all, given everything that we know about where Deshaun Watson is in the process, legal and NFL. And so that's that's really all. Uh, Gardner Minshew. People are trying to make too much about the. I guess the Gardner Minshew thing is like. People want to make much ado about nothing. People want to make like, oh, the do the Eagles not believe in Hurts? Like, believe it or not, NFL teams 
want to make their team better. Joe Flacco is stone dust. Horrible. He proved, and he I think he has proved that he's not very good. Minshew has actually proved that he's like competent. And having a, a competent backup quarterback is actually something that's really valuable because if you know if if, if Hurts, even if Hurts is great, but he goes down for five weeks, you don't want that to ruin your season and you go 0 and 5 because your backup is so bad. And so you know, the Patriots have proven this for how many years? They always have a competent backup, and then they also always always flip them for something. I think we just overreact to what these trades mean in terms of, like, for, for Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts is the same pick and the same bet he has always been. J.K. Dobbins, we talked about Dobbins. I mean, Mostert started. I think, I think Mostert... Uh, is the same bet he was, except maybe we're a little bit more excited having now seen a little bit of what Trey Lance can do for him. Yeah, I don't know who play on passing downs. I don't. We, we still don't know very much about the 49ers, if we're being honest, other than the offense looks exciting. But I want to I wanna bet on Raheem Mostert. Uh, name, pick a 49ers offensive player. I want to bet on him. Even, like, if you watched the draft on Friday with Evan, with Evan Silva, I brought up Trent Sherfield and he picked, promptly told me to go F myself, but 18th round, 20th, 20th round, uh, Trent Sherfield. I think it's okay. James Robinson. Yeah. If you're buying the James Robinson, uh, rise, I, I think, I think I might be a little worried. I think Carlos Hyde is going to play point blank period. They also could pick somebody else up. I just think, uh, See, I, I think this is I've I've listened to like I I love Hayden and Josh, but they've been kind of tweeting before we got all these preseason snaps and everything. And then it like they they were they were on James Robinson. James Robinson was a workhorse last year. He's proven he could do it. Carlos Hyde is dust. And so I've seen people tweeting about James Robinson like he is, you know, a great third round pick or whatever. And now we get this evidence where it's like, oh, you know, this doesn't look so great for a third round running back. Like, it's certainly not a, 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 you know, at least with like J.K. Dobbins, we know the guy is just an absolute game breaker and a stud talent. And now we're getting like worse snap shares and everything for James Robinson than we are for, for other guys that we've questioned. But now it's like, oh, we're not worried about him only playing, you know, fifty to sixty percent of the snaps in the third round. I, I, I think we should be worried. There's also a potential for them to bring somebody else in. So I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not too excited about James Robinson. This, this one also didn't. This one also didn't. I've seen a lot of people uh, talking about Melvin Gordon playing and Javante Williams not playing as like a sign that Javante Williams is a starter. I just think Melvin Gordon hasn't gotten any reps in. He's been hurt all of camp and he needed to get out there and get some reps in. I think it. this is the same situation it's been all year. They probably start in a fairly significant split, you know, call it 50-50 to start the year. And I think we're betting on Javante Williams to take the job as the year goes on. Yep, Damian Harris, and, and nothing really changes Damian Harris and James White, in my opinion. Buccaneers' backfield is a mess. 
I think it's uh I think well that is that is true from a fantasy perspective. I think um I think I still really like Geo in the James White role. It's like we like James White, and yet Geo is basically James White. And you know, like James White when he was a smash was going far higher than this, and Geo is not going anywhere near where James White. I get, I guess, you know, we haven't seen it yet, so it's a little bit of concern, but I really like Geo, and I think uh, I would rather make the Rojo bet over Fournette, but if you like Fournette, I get it. It is a messy, messy backfield. Um, Bill's backfield seems okay to me. I think it's a split hot hand. That is what Brian Dable has been saying uh, all summer, since post-draft, since they did not acquire anybody. Um who, you know, I think Singletary probably gets the first carry and Zach Moss will have big games. And I think Singletary will have big games. Um, They're not going to run very much, but I think those guys will catch passes and they're going to score a lot of points. And so those guys are going to have an opportunity to score, to score points. And they have a ton of contingent value if somebody goes down. I like both the Bills running backs. Chuba, I think, has proven to be CMC's handcuff. And I will, I think in builds where it makes sense, um, I think you should take two. But yeah, I th- yeah, I think so. I think Brita, I think Brita would get some snaps. I think they might give him, you know, a, when the, when it really comes around to the regular season, I'm not sure Brita is going to touch the field. But I think he is the clear number three. And if one of the, if something were to happen to those guys, you know, like maybe he gets a, maybe they draw something up for him because he's more explosive. Than the other than the other guys, but he's also I, I just he's not as good as Singletary or Moss. I actually think Singletary and Moss are both fairly competent players, and so I think. But I do think, like, say Singletary went down, I think Brito would mix in with Moss. I don't think there gets going to be like Singletary was playing like a hundred percent of snaps when Moss went out. I'm not sure that we have quite that. I agree. I do think he offers something that those guys don't, just in terms of the game breaking aspect of things. The other thing that he offers is that he is a guaranteed injury. <laughs> he will be hurt. Uh, before we get into wide receivers, I'm finalizing this very, very shortly, Paul. I'm finalizing this very, very shortly. It will be similar to this, um, and so I'm gonna do I'm gonna do uh, like a post about it and and, and maybe a, a show about where we're where we're headed for the regular season. But I fully expect um, to be doing a ton of content because. NBA is coming. I know this is NFL time and and, and an NFL show, but best ball is going to be every sport. And I fully expect that they will have in-season contests, in-season new new best ball contests, new even new game formats that don't exist right now. Um, so there will be a lot for us to play and a lot for us to talk about. We talked about T.Y. Hilton. Um, Sutton, Sutton. Sutton is a good one. Um, if you were buying the Cortland Sutton dip, I think you feel, I think you feel good. I think you feel good. I bought a little bit of the dip. I was definitely lower on him and I'm, I'm going to move him up a little bit. Um, in my rankings, I got to redo the rankings seemingly every day because somebody gets hurt or whatever, but I got to take that. You know, I got to do the whole Dobbins thing. Uh, but I think I'm going to move Cortland Sutton up. Just, you just feel good. You just feel good about him. <clears throat> it is interesting that, uh, you know, Hamler's Hamler's only had an illness, so you're not worried about it. 
I think Judy will uh, go back to playing on the outside when Hamler comes in and, and takes the slot. But it is interesting that, you know, Tim Patrick goes to the outside and they don't use Judy on, on the outside um, in two wide receiver sets when Hamler was out. So it's, it's a, it's a little bit of a concern because it probably shows you that Sutton is pretty locked into one outside spot. And if something happens to Hamler, you would think, Oh, this is great. Cause now Judy can bump it to the slot and he can play outside, but it's a little bit concerning. Um, you know, that's a really, really hyper-specific situation. And I'm very bullish on Jerry Judy. But the market is really, really bullish on Jerry. Like, he's been one of the biggest risers over the entire offseason. Like, non-injury-related risers. And so, I kind of feel like uh, Sutton is probably the guy I want to buy right now in the Broncos' backfield. Even though, you know, it's perceived that this scene, this this is, uh, uh, you know, the, the, t- the Teddy thing and all that is, is best for Judy. Uh I think Cortland Sutton Davis last week when I talked to Davis, we talked about it. And I think he had said it before on other shows other than the show we did. But like when you look back in three, four months, we're done with the best ball season. And you, you say, who, you know, which player just buried me that I really should have seen coming. Like Cortland Sutton is on that list, right? He's just good at football and say whatever we want about Teddy Bridgewater like he's one of the most accurate quarterbacks and th- like he does lead offenses that are competent. And so that's really all the Cortland Sutton needs. He's put up huge numbers with far worse than Teddy Bridgewater. Jacoby Myers and Aguilar. Yep. I think that is uh, expected Hardman. It was re- oh man. I don't know if you follow the, uh, if you're like as as much of a sicko as me, like following along with like the snap counts and everything like that during the preseason games. But I think it's Nate Janky. I think he was the one who's tweeting him out from pro football focus, but like the first snap, the first two wide receiver set of the chiefs chiefs preseason game was Tyreek on one side and me on the other. And everybody's like, Oh my God, they went nuts over this tweet, right? Hundreds of likes, retweets, whatever. Finally, me it's time. And then he proceeded to get out snapped by Demarcus Robinson again. <laughs> and that, and he followed it up later with that, that tweet. And uh, nobody liked that one. They had like, you know, 30 likes or whatever. <clears throat> it was pretty funny. We believe we get excited for whatever we want to get excited for and ignore whatever we want to ignore. Um, I mean, it's, it's what I think it's what we expect for Hardman. I have, I, the more I see Hardman play, the more I have very real concerns about if he is actually a competent NFL wide receiver. Um, so he's a fine, he's a fine pick. I think he's a fine pick generally where he goes, but he got, he's gotten steamed up to this. The same thing happened last year. And uh, wide receivers like Rashad Perriman are going to get cut all over the league right now. And, um, Miko is probably the leading candidate to get burned by one of those guys, I think. Yeah, Terrace. Terrace is a big slot. Big slot for for the Panthers. Another really fun offense. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited about the uh, about the Panthers. I'm excited. Very very excited about Terrace Marshall. Also excited about DJ Moore. Saw a really high volume role. 
in that for in that first game and was not just the deep ball flyer anymore. He was actually getting a ton of short to intermediate work, getting the ball in his hands, prior yeah, uh, you know, prioritizing his after the catch ability, his yak ability. And I think it's wheels up for DJ Moore. Nico, baby, Nico Collins. I think it's possible that he's a week one starter, which is all we can dream about it if you've been drafting as much Nico Collins as I have. I think he's their best wide receiver. Eskridge played. They got him the ball. I think he, you know, he again, Nico and Eskridge, both great late round flyers. Talked about Perriman. Amonra is a slot receiver. Khalif Raymond is the number two. And I think Cephas would play on the outside um, as well. John Brown. John Brown might get cut. They were talking about that on the – they played the 49ers yesterday, the Raiders and uh, – Raiders 49ers played yesterday, and the Raiders did not play their starters. Brian Edwards, Henry Ruggs, and Hunter Renfro did not play in the preseason ever. They did not – and they did not play any of their starters. John Brown – excuse me. John Brown was out there playing yesterday. And the announcers said he's in a competition to make the team with – I don't know if this is true. The announcer said for the last, he's in a competition for the last wide receiver spot. They said Zay Jones is a lock to make the team over, over John Brown. And Oh my God, I'm going to screw it up. They said they're, they're keeping six wide receivers. And they said, they said John Brown was fighting with some scrubs, some real scrubs. Oh my God. NBC Sports Edge is not cooperating with me. Sorry, I'm buying I'm buying my time until I can pull up this Vegas depth chart because I'm gonna I want to make sure I get it right. Willie Sneed. Willie Sneed. They said Ruggs, Edwards, Renfro, Zay Jones, and Willie Sneed have made the team, and John Brown is competing with Keelan Doss, Trey Quinn, Dylan Stoner. And some real scrubs to make the team. So I think he might get cut. That could that could have just been announced or being wrong, but they said that. Go back and watch if you want to check it out. So I would not be point being, I would not be drafting John Brown, but John Brown is also another candidate. Like people are talking about Brashad Perriman going somewhere. I think John Brown is a better bet to have something left in the tank, although he also might be it might be over for John Brown as well. We talked about Irv. Gronk, Gronk playing uh, first team steps. I also, you know, I don't think I've drafted. I don't think I've drafted Gronk. And if he burns me, I think that is okay. And that is about it. Um, let's do- double back really quick to anything that I missed. How much work do you think Chuba gets each week if CMC stays stays healthy? CMC typically doesn't leave the field. So I think if I were, you know, if I were just betting, uh, you know, if I had to put my put my money down on a, on a scenario like Chuba only plays a couple of snaps a game, right? CMC gets tired or whatever. And he comes in, you know, CMC plays 90 to 95% of the snaps is what I would put my money on. However, my personal take moving forward in terms of just NFL football, total macro NFL macro perspective is that we're going to start really moving away from the, 
the workhorse back. I think, you know, we saw CMC get hurt, right? Dalvin's been hurt a lot. They, uh, the Saints have always kept Kamara in a committee. Um, Eckler has always been in a committee. And so guys will have the majority of the role, but the old Le'Veon Bells and the old David Johnsons, and that's what CMC has been. I think we will look back. I don't know how long, but over the next few years and be like, those, those guys don't exist anymore. That is my personal bet. If you look at all the best teams across the league, they're spending less resources on running back in terms of draft capital, salary, whatever. And they're rotating guys in committees to use guys, you know, at what they do best. I mean, look at the 49ers. Raheem Mostert is their, their, their guy, but he's not, you know, this, he's a, he's a absolute sprinter. He's an Olympic sprinter almost. And so they use him in that way. And then they got Trey Sermon to use Trey Sermon in a certain way, right? They have Jeff Wilson, they have Wayne Gallman, blah, blah, blah. I think that's what teams are going, going to be doing. And so anyway, that's like my bet on the NFL as a whole collectively. So I'm, I'm starting to make that bet already this year with some of these kinds of guys. And I think it's very, very possible that they think they need to keep CMC healthier and playing him every single snap of every single game is not a great way to keep him healthy if they want to win games. And I think that they think they can win games this year. The defense should be much better. It's year two of Joe Brady. They think Darnold is an upgrade over Teddy. We'll see. They think, you know, Terrace Marshall is a stud. They re-signed Robbie. They got DJ Moore. Obviously have CMC. I think we see guys like Chuba mix in more than we think. That's just my bet. My my macro level bet. It really isn't even anything about Chuba or CMC, but I I I think that's what we sit like, let's call it 80-20 instead of 95-5, more like 80-20 would be like my bet. So that's it. Thank you guys. That was a lot of fun. God, that's a lot of news. That's a lot of stuff. And it's cut cut time. Obviously, we saw Brashad Perriman. Um, tomorrow the show is again, Tuesdays, our discord draft review, but I'll probably touch. I'm sure we're going to get a ton of news over the course of the next 24 hours. So as we are, um, going over the drafts posted in discord, I'll probably touch on some of the, the updated news tomorrow. So for me and for Prashad Perriman, for all the poor, People like me who drafted Latavius Murray or you who drafted Brashad Perriman. I will see you guys tomorrow.